0: So I can obviously say that I felt a little uncertain about uh, where to go this week after, after last week. But, you know, as I was reviewing my text from last week, which was First Kings 19, you know, the Word kind of jumped out at me, and I felt that, you know, what I'm about to preach today is actually what God wants to say to you today. I really do believe that. So last week, the thesis was that the Lord's Word, His voice to us, does not always, it doesn't always come to us in huge, dramatic ways. It doesn't. Uh, It's not always in earth, wind, or fire, you know, and all these earth-shattering ways. It's not always these big, dramatic acts, right? It comes to us in the quiet moments of our lives as well, too, where we can quiet down, where we can sit here in church together, uh, you know, in different circumstances, strange circumstances, but we can receive from the Lord. We can hear His quiet voice as we worship Him. Amen? Have you felt that this morning, this, this week, by the way? Have you heard God's voice in the still, quiet moments of your lives? Because that's when he can speak to you very, very powerfully. And today I wanted to use the same story to illustrate how we can miss our purpose, we can miss the instruction, miss the voice of God, when we're not even in the right frame of mind, right? So I'm just going to go back up a little bit, just a verse or two, uh, but I'm reading from 1 Kings 19 and 7. I'm starting at 7, where the angel actually came to Elijah the second time, before he had headed to Mount Horeb. I'm just going to read that verse to you right now. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, because he came back a second time, because the first time, obviously, Elijah wasn't listening. Touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. He strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave, or the cave, and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah. What are you doing here? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Now they're trying to kill me too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious here because, I mean, that's a serious thing, what was going on there. He had every right to be scared. Then the Lord said, go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then we covered the rest of it, uh, that verse last week. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is relevant today. It is relevant tomorrow. It is relevant for eternity. Your, your word is eternal. We thank you for your word, Lord, for, especially in this time. Amen. So, oh, yeah, there's my, <laughs> there's my slide. So I might overuse pugs a little bit too much in my, in my, in my slides, but uh, the truth is they make absolutely great illustrations because of how dramatic they are. They look so dramatic all the time. And as some of you may have seen online, uh, you know, Holly and I actually have a new pug at home. We actually have a new dog at home. His name is Wally. And uh, we, got a new <laughs> we got a new dog and, uh, you know, right, the, right before the pandemic really hit. And uh, we got another mouth to feed because, why, you know what, why not one more mouth to feed in our household? Why not? Right? Anyways, as puppies do, he's chewing absolutely everything and everything of value He is chewing dining room tables. He's chewing headphones. He's chewing our cedar deck in the back. He's chewing Holly's Italian leather shoes. He is chewing everything of value because he's a puppy. Anything. And when you get mad at him, he goes ahead and he puts on a face like this. He puts on a face like that when you get mad at him. And basically, you you want to feel sorry for him, right? Because he's looking that way. He looks sad. All the time. And that's the way he looks. 99% of the time, actually. So he, that's just the way that he is. And it just screams, feel sorry for me. And uh, the title that I have for my sermon is, feel sorry for me. I'm not saying this in an in a, uh, insensitive way. Uh, I'm saying it in the fact that, I mean, we're looking at Elijah here. And basically, his reaction to God was a statement. Like, you got to feel bad for me, what I'm going through. You know, and that's where Elijah was in the story. He's in the cave, feeling terrible about his circumstances Which prompts the the Lord to say, Elijah, what are you doing here? Not once, but twice. Yes, God asked the same question to Elijah. Have you ever noticed that a lot of our biblical heroes often find themselves where they should not be? Have you ever found that they, they actually end up where they actually shouldn't be? Elijah found himself in a place of discouragement and despair. In fact, you know, only a few verses back, though, he asked the Lord, Lord, take my life. It was that Desperate, He was that desperate that he actually just wanted to die. And uh, he asked the Lord to take away his life. And I don't think that he actually meant it, though, because if he had really meant it, he might as well just go and visit Jezebel. He might as well knock on the door to Jezebel and say, hey, here I am. Take my life, right? So he said that, but he obviously didn't really mean it. At least he didn't want his life taken away in the hands of Jezebel. And it you know, was pretty irrational as well, too, because God had just delivered to him an awesome victory in front of the prophets of Baal. He delivered it like he, God showed up in the Prophets of Baal, burned down the altar, and then the Prophets of Baal were all killed at his command. So he had an awesome victory there. But have you ever noticed that despair and discouragement often follow a huge victory? Have you ever noticed that? that it always seems to happen after there's a huge, yes, God, way to go, awesome. Then right after, no, you're, you know, the, the devil almost wants to put a finger in your wound. Where where you're hurting inside, bringing discouragement and despair. Why does he do that? Why? Because the enemy wants you to feel, he he wants, because the enemy never wants you to actually feel any kind of victory. He doesn't want you to feel victory. He doesn't want you to feel victorious. Elijah was in fear. He was not afraid of the, you know, 850 prophets of Baal, but he was afraid of Jezebel, one woman. He was afraid of that woman. God confronts Elijah and asks him, you know, why are you hiding in a cave? What are you doing here, Elijah? And his response is interesting. He tells God what he already knows about the state of his chosen people. <laughs> but then concludes with something that we all feel when we're going through something, and it's a deadly feeling, and it's this. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. One of the most dangerous words the enemy uses against us is in the word alone. It makes you feel like you are alone in what you're going through every single time. So Elijah's feelings of being alone uh, were so powerful that he actually wanted to die. He actually wanted to die. And think about that for a second. He believed that he was alone so strongly that he wanted his life taken away because he felt so alone. Forget the victory. Forget what God had already done. He was ready to throw in the towel. He was ready to give up because he believed he was alone. And you know, there's never ever been a time you know that the enemy would like to try to use the word alone on us than right now right the word alone is something that a lot of us are feeling a lot of us have the sensation that we're alone in what we're going through Uh, the pandemic has put this stress on us in many different ways in economic ways and in social ways that it makes us feel like we are the only ones going through certain things we are alone right in lockdown and quarantine, social distancing and the suspicions of, of other people's health, like, oh, I don't know if I can trust my neighbor. I don't know where he's been. I saw him go to Costco three times yesterday. I don't know if I can trust him. You know, we, we look at our, even the suspicion of our leaders, even the leaders of our country, we're in suspicion of them as well too. We feel like we're alone. And it's so easy to believe the lie that we're alone, to believe that, you know, that we're, when you feel alone, you feel like you're forgotten, you feel like you're overlooked. Uh, you feel like you're unneeded or unwanted. That's what alone can do to us. And have you ever felt so burdened by something that y- you believe that, you know, not actually even being here would actually be better? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever had the, the enemy whisper to you that no one would even miss you if you were gone? And don't be ashamed by that. A lot of us have gone, gone through that. And, uh, you know, if this lie worked on Elijah, because it could work on us too. Elijah felt it like could be a lot better if you weren't there. So that enemy can put that whisper into our minds as well too. If we allow the devil to use the word alone against us, it's going to impact us the same way it did to Elijah. And when Elijah got to the low point, God asked, Elijah, come on. Why are you here? Why are you in this place? Thinking you're alone is very dangerous. We believe that we're alone. We will say things that we don't really mean and we'll wish for things that we don't really want. That's what it can do. Elijah says he wants to die. He even wishes to die. But he doesn't want to die at the hands of Jezebel. You know, we say things we don't really mean. I don't know about you, but, you know, maybe at more of a basic level, there've been, there's been a lot in this quarantine that I've said or even thought that's shown and have revealed that I need to trust in the Lord a lot more than I have been. Right? We, we can trust things that, that in the world that, that are supporting us, that are keeping us safe, and that can go away so easily, can't it? Everything can be put into question. Everything. Absolutely everything except God except for his faithfulness. I need to trust the Lord more and more because what's in our heart actually comes to the surface when we think that we're alone. But the truth is, even today, uh, you know, especially today, we are anything but alone. God is here. Amen? I don't know about you, but I felt the presence of God this morning when we were worshiping him. When we were worshiping God, when we were lifting up our hands, we were saying, God, you are so good, that reminds me, hey, I'm not alone in this. He is here with us. Amen? Amen. That's why I love getting together with you guys too, because it reminds me, hey, you know what? I am not alone. I'm with you. I'm with here, and my family. That's an awesome thing. So, another consequence of feeling alone is that we believe that we don't matter. Elijah believed that he was alone, so logically, he takes the next step and concludes that his life and ministry no longer matters either. It doesn't matter. No one is going to miss me if I'm gone. No one's going to notice. And it's a funny one because, on the one hand, we don't really matter. To God, right? God, God's purposes can be filled, you know, uh, with or without us. That's the one thing. God's purposes will be fulfilled even if we're out of the picture because God is sovereign. But on the other hand, we are purpose-driven people. We are purpose-driven people. So God uses us to fulfill his will. Amen? So God reminds Elijah that he's not alone. That There's actually 7,000 other people that believe that are not bowed the knee to Baal, that, that he needs to lead. And there's a whole slew of other prophets that have been saved by Obadiah as well, too, that that are there. And he also has another assignment that he has to complete uh, because there's Elisha, who is going to be his protege, that he has to train up as well, too, and disciple. So he has a lot to do. Elijah has a call and a purpose that he had to complete. So let me just tell you this. If you feel like you don't matter this morning, I want to remind you that you are not alone. You're not alone. I want to remind you that you matter. Your gift matters. Your calling matters. Your life matters you as apostolic people have people to point out and gifts to call out as well too. Amen? You do. You have a mission to carry out. And just like Elijah, you were actually born for this time. You were born for right now. You're not alone. You're with God. And God is saying, hey, I made you born for this time, this purpose right now. And he's calling out that purpose in you even today. Amen? As strange and difficult as 2020 is, you were built for it. You were built for it. And God said to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? People, my friends, what are you doing here? What are you doing here today? Think about that. What has God called you to do? Let's listen for his still, small voice. Let's obey and act the, to that voice that he, that the purpose that he is giving us. Amen? Let's walk in our purpose. Even today, even as difficult as, it's strange as it seems, there is a purpose to be carried out even right now. There is a mission even right now. Even when it seems so grim, even when it seems like there are so many people out to get us, uh, even when Elijah was, felt like there was, he was all alone, he still had a purpose, and we still have a purpose in what we're doing today. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're like Elijah and you feel like you're the only one going through your battle, you're going to get to the point where, you know, you're going to lose your fight, You're going to lose your motivation, okay? You're going to not want to go to battle anymore. You're going to just want to pull the covers over your head and and give up, right? You'll feel tired. You want to just give up. You're going to feel run down because alone feels like absolutely everything is on your shoulders as well. When you feel like you're alone, you feel like all the responsibility is on you and that you have to do it. And you just want to give up and just, oh, Lord, I'm just going to stay in bed all day, (laughs) right? Elijah said, the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and slain your prophets with a sword. Isn't that awful? Elijah was saying, in spite of my very best efforts, this whole covenant thing that you've created with your people, it's gone bad, and I just can't do anything else. I'm, I've come to my end. I can't do it anymore, God. You know, and I'm sure that there's not one of us here that hasn't felt that way at some point. And one thing that I've noticed, though, is that the enemy also traffics in exhaustion. Have you noticed that? He traffics in your tiredness. Oh, the flesh is willing. The, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? He traffics in exhaustion. And that's the devil's attacks are almost always designed to wear us out completely. Always. So that when we, you know, that, what that, that in fact does, it actually renders us completely useless. So God sent an angel to minister to Elijah with food and instruction. But what did Elijah do? He actually fell asleep twice. You would think that seeing an angel and an angel preparing him food there, that would be something that would keep you awake. But no, he fell asleep twice. Even after that, he was so tired. Right? You know, I, the angel actually had to prod him to get him to, go, to get going. I know something else myself, too. The moments that I feel the most run down are also the times when, you know, more actually gets loaded onto my plate. Have you ever noticed that as well? The expression, you know, when it rains, it pours used to be, uh, you know, whenever the, and I've noticed it in my life all the time, like, okay, Saturday Saturday night comes along, all of a sudden one of the kids throws up in the middle of the night, right? And then we get up in the morning, and for some reason there was a torrential downpour, and water came into the basement at the same time. And then I need to wash the sheets, because they've thrown up all over the sheets, and the washing machine breaks. <laughs> all, and that's a, that's a true example I'm giving you right now. That actually happened, and, it, you know, it's, it's happening less and less now, but you know, what I have to keep doing is I have to say, you know what, God, whatever, I'm just going to plow through this. I have to. I can't give up. I can't give up. But when it rains, it pours because it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a tool of the enemy to try and wear you out. But we have to stand up. So what's the solution to feeling? I, that's true, I've tried that. Does it work so it's, It still smells kind of moldy, so... <laughs> But what is the solution to feeling run down? Well, God did not put his hand on Elijah's back and say, you know what, Elijah, you're right. This is too hard. Let me tuck you into your bed so you can sleep this off. He didn't do that. You know, God didn't take that approach. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Well, Elijah, come on, what are you doing here? Well, your people have abandoned you. They've killed the prophets. I'm the only one left. I can't do this. And what does God say? God says, go back to where you came from. Go back. You travel 40 days in France. Go back to where you came from. There's a lot of work to be done. Hunker down. Don't give up. I already know what's going on. You don't have to tell me. I already know. I already know what's going on. I have a plan. So keep going. I have made you, Elijah, for this moment. I've made you for this. And as tired as as all of us are in this year, we were made for this. We have a job. God has the plan. So let's go back to our purpose. Amen? Let's go back to our purpose. So here's my final point about this, this verse, about being alone. Now, a lot of us have a, a new understanding about what being alone and, and being isolated is all about. You know, but well, let me tell you something that I've, I've also noticed, and I'm hoping that this is going to be kind of like an aha moment for some of you as well, too. And uh, I, I actually think that there's a gaping, a huge difference between seclusion and isolation. A huge difference between seclusion and isolation. And I think that we're, you know, we're all called to as responsible citizens to, to isolate. You know, if we were having symptoms or whatever, we go we isolate from other people. That's a good thing to do. We should do that as responsible citizens. Let's, let's do that. Let's do our best to mitigate the risk of this virus spreading to other people. Similarly, you know, you know, after Elijah had victory over the prophets of Baal, he probably needed to isolate himself from others as well too because of the spiritual exertion from that battle. I think, though, what happened, though, is that he confused seclusion with isolation. Now, I think that there are times when God will speak to us and, and may want us to isolate ourselves from other people because there are times when we need to break, we need a quiet moment, we need to listen to his still, small voice. Jesus did it. He actually did it quite often, actually, and we need to do that as well, too, at, at times. We need uh, you know, time to silence the other voices and remove distractions so that we can hear his still, small voice. That's normal. That's a good thing. I think, though, the danger the danger is, is though, that, that too many of us go one step further than God wants us to go. And rather than isolating, we seclude ourselves from other people. We seclude ourselves from other people. When we go into complete seclusion, it has a very negative effect on us. We feel forgotten, we feel abandoned, we feel alone. Instead of setting up, you know, a temporary boundary where we're where just and secluding ourselves, we actually build these permanent barriers around ourselves, and we don't let anyone in. That's what seclusion does. Unfortunately, that just, you know, makes us more, actually, we think that we're doing it for our own safety, but it actually makes us more vulnerable to attack. Why? Because victories are actually not won in seclusion. Victories are never won in seclusion, ever. Victories are won in communion with each other. That's where victories are won. When we're together as a body, we're working together. You are together. We are here praying for you. We're, we're praying with you. We're walking through the difficulties together hand in hand. We're walking up a mountain together, tethered together, making sure that we are all safely getting to the summit. Victories are never won in seclusion. They're won in communion. When we believe that we're alone, we not only, you know, miss God, we also miss the people that God has put in our lives and and also the people that he's assigned to us as well. Do you know that? That yes, we, we are we are meant to be here together. We, we are assigned to be together here in communion. But there's also people outside of here that God has assigned to you as well. And if we seclude ourselves from other people, from everybody, we're missing out the opportunities that God wants to move in other people's lives. We can't be in seclusion. We could be in isolation temporarily, you know, if there's a danger, but... We can't be in seclusion. Seclusion also makes us completely focused on ourselves. We quit developing relationships. We keep being intentional about our relationships. And we, qu- we quit nurturing our relationships. That's what seclusion also does. And seclusion is not what God wants. Don't understand what I'm, what I'm saying here, though, right now. We, we need to be safe in this pandemic. That's, I'm absolutely on board with that. Uh, we need to be safe. We need to practice you know, social distancing and all that, but we also need to practice safe mental and spiritual health as well too, even in the isolation that we're facing. And how do we do that? By being in a relationship with God and with others. And if you can't be with others here in the group, thank you, Jesus. We're also living in a time where technology can help us, where we can interact with other people. We can reach out to our friends on Facebook. We can reach out to our friends on social media. We can send a text we can go on FaceTime. Hey, how are you doing? You know, we can nurture relationships that way. Even in isolation, we can, still nurture, we can still nurture our relationships. We can still look out for each other. We can still pray for each other. We can still be there for each other, even in isolation. In seclusion, not so much. In seclusion, you are alone. Amen? But we don't, that's not what we're called to be. We are called to be together in communion. Amen? If you feel like you're alone this morning, I just want to point you back to Jesus who said, Jesus actually said that he would never leave you or forsake you. That's what Jesus said. He said that I will never leave you or forsake you. You are never alone. And Psalms 121 says this, look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you be defeated. He who guards you never sleeps. He never sleeps, never sleeps or slumbers. You are never alone. You're not alone. God doesn't sleep with you. He is there. He's awake. He's on guard. He's present. He's able. And he's ready to respond. So when I say feel sorry for you, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be insensitive. But what I am saying is, you're not alone. We don't need to feel sorry for ourselves because God is with us and He's going to deliver through us what we're going through every single time. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's on guard. He's present. He will not let you be defeated. Ever. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me right now? I'm going to pray that anyone that's feeling a a sense of being alone, that feels like a a despair, that that they're going through this alone, that that, uh, maybe your health, maybe your finances, or maybe something else is making you feel like you've got this giant weight on your shoulders. Let me remind you this morning, you're not alone. We are with you. We are praying for you. And as a body, we can come together. And even if you don't want to share what it is that you're going through, that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to pray right now that we have the no- knowledge and, and, and uh, presence of mind to know that God is with us and that we are surrounded by a people who care deeply for us. Amen? Lord. Lord, we thank you that you see us right where we are. You see us where we are in our struggles, in the middle of our desert land, or even in our isolation today, Lord. Thank you that you have not forgotten us and you're never, you never will forget us. We're never alone. Forgive us for not trusting you, for doubting your goodness and, and the ultimate plan for us, your children. We choose to set our eyes on you today. We choose joy and peace instead of the lie that we're alone. We pray for strength, And we also pray for a fresh revelation of who we are in you. We choose you and the fellowship of your people to get us through this time and all the other struggles that we're facing. In Jesus' name, precious name of Jesus, amen, 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 amen. Thank you all for coming today. Thank you for proving, thank you for proving that we are not alone today. Thank you for your fellowship. and. I just pray that God will bless you this week, that whatever it is that you might be going through, that he will see you through it, that you will see a victory even this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.